Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first uh, registration when Aquarius was governor of Syria, and all went to, to and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son. And we think now, God, of of peace that is found in you and in you alone. And help us to remember that this time of year and throughout the year, that peace is not found in things, in traditions, in relationships, in governments, in leaders, but true peace is found in you and in you alone. May we as believers be an example of that, help that to uh, be exemplified in our lives, and may we share that with our neighbors, with our family, as a world that seeks it in so many different ways, that peace is found in a relationship with you. And we thank you, God, again, that you loved us, that you sent your son, not only to be born, but to die for us, that that can be found in you, and that you desire a relationship with us. And all this we pray in your son's name. Amen. It's always nice around Christmas time when you hear Luke chapter 2 read. I was thinking while you were reading that James should have had a blanket so he can look like Linus. I think that would have been great. That would have been great. Don't you love Christmas? Christmas is such a wonderful time of year. You know, when you think of Christmas, you think of trees and dazzling lights and tinsel and gifts and loving and giving. Some think of hot cocoa. Some think of cookies. I think of pie. Um, It's just cherry, cherry pie. That's right. Um, Christmas is just a wonderful time of year. I love the Christmas music, um, the classics. You know, the Christmas song, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, just beautiful songs. Um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. 
Um, it, just, it just brings a festive time to us. But I kind of this year, I came across a song that I've never heard before. Uh, it, it may not be new, I don't know. Um, but it's called The Baby Changes Everything. Have you heard that? Yeah, some of you have heard it. Is, is it new? It's not. Okay, well, um, it's new to me, and it just blessed my heart. And I, as I was uh, listening to some of the lyrics, yeah, hear them as I read them. A teenage girl, much too young, unprepared for what's to come. A baby changes everything. Not a ring on her hand, all her dreams and all her plans. A baby changes everything. A baby changes everything. The man she loves, she never touched. How will she keep his trust? A baby changes everything. A baby changes everything. The passage today we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. And those lyrics hit me as I was thinking about that passage because that's the passage where Mary has told Joseph what has happened. The great news. And it's Joseph's reaction. It's Joseph's perspective. I imagine, I imagine, as Gabriel told Mary, how excited she was, how sobering she was about the whole situation, how blessed she was, and yet her response was, I'm your servant. Listen to the passage as I read it. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved quietly to divorce her. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared, appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. When you think about that passage, you can almost sense the tension in Joseph's heart. Joseph had a plan, right? He was performing his plan. He was prepared. He was doing what husbands do, especially in that culture, preparing a home for his wife. But it's crazy how a baby changes everything. Crazy how such a little, helpless, totally dependent very needy person, often stinky, sometimes smelly, changes everything. Joseph was executing his plan. He's engaged. He was already married. They were husband and wife already. But then in verse 20, when he's told the news by Mary, he's considering these things. I think that's really a nice way of Matthew saying that 
Joseph was trying to find a way to get out of this. But Joseph says, or Matthew says, but as he considered these things, the mental gymnastics, don't we have that? When we have a plan and we're, we're fulfilling that plan, we're, we're uh, working that plan, we're executing that plan, things happen. Surprises, unexpected events happen. And the first thing we try to do is try to work our way around it and try to figure out what it is we need to do. I mean, this is the Bible. Wouldn't you think Joseph would at least in the Jewish culture turn and go to God? But it never says that. It doesn't say that he immediately turned to God when something unexpected happened. Especially given the news that Mary had said what she said. I think we're the same. We come to a a situation where we just continue to work our plan, work our way, do our thing, move on, life goes day after day. I mean, 2019 was a blink, wasn't it? Wow, it's Christmas already. Surprises happen. And you have to ask yourself, how often did I turn back to God in those things when they did occur? I, I, don't, I know, I don't think Joseph had happy Christmas thoughts in his mind when Mary told him these things. I think that part of Joseph's considering these things was the fact that he was realizing that his dream was fading. His agenda was fading. His plan was fading. His expectation was fading. He realized that I'm not going to have a house and five kids or whatever it was his plan was. That faded from view. And that's what he was considering, I think. Because verse, verse 20 continues. It says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. I find that interesting that the angel appeared to him in a dream. As I was praying over the passage and thinking about how it would challenge us for a few minutes, giving us Joseph's perspective, he didn't, Gabriel didn't appear to Mary in a dream, but he appeared to Joseph in a dream. And I think that's kind of illustrative of the fact that Joseph's dream was shattering. The dream that he had, the plan that he had was going by the wayside. But I think what's really interesting to me is how Gabriel interacted with Joseph. And I think how God interacts with us. First thing he says is, don't fear. I hear him say, Joseph, don't fear. God has a better dream than you could ever have dreamed, than you can ever have imagined. Gabriel relates to him. He doesn't just quote a Bible verse and say, unto you a son is given. He doesn't say that. He says, don't fear. Don't fear. He doesn't say, suck it up. It's time to move on. Accept God's will for your life and move on. Those things happen. He doesn't tell him to bootstrap it. He tells him to, don't fear. Don't fear. He knew Joseph's situation, too, very much aware of it. And I, he's, not t- he's not ignoring the pressure, the immense pressure that Joseph must have been under, the tension of the culture, all those types of things that, that, that cause us often to figure out our own plans rather than to turn back to God and allow God to work things out. Tammy and I have been at UPCC for oh, three months now. Um, we've loved it. 
We've really enjoyed it. And what I love about UPCC is the interaction. People really want to get to know you. They really want to understand you more, really want to relate to you more. I can't tell you how encouraging it has been to me to be able to um, just serve here. And I love the way John puts it, living life together. I love that. That's good stuff. And, you know, we go through and we have our own plans, we have our own agendas. I had a situation recently where I offended a friend. Um, Not intentionally, it just kind of happened. I had my agenda and I was doing my thing and, and I knew I offended that person as I was praying for them later in the day. The Lord just kept bringing it back to me, bringing it back to me. And so it was an awesome experience for me to go before that person and say, you know, I'm sorry that I offended you. Now, I asked his forgiveness. I hope he forgives me. And I hope our friendship continues in a, in a wonderful way. Only God will tell that. Only time will tell that. But the point is, is that the relationships that we can have together as we work together to understand who it is that God is in our lives is an amazing truth that as we know one another, as we relate to one another, as we see God work in our lives, it's an amazing thing. And Joseph, Gabriel continues in verse 20, for that which is conceived is from the Holy Spirit. That clears it up right, right there, you know? That makes total sense. So accept her as your, as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and Joseph, Joseph uh, just... Verse 24, if you skip down to there, it says, When Joseph woke up from a sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. Do you think that Joseph understood all that Gabriel had said? And I think there's times in our lives where we don't either. Where we just, this new truth that's been before us, this, this baby that's come that, that changes everything. When we all have dreams that we dream, we wonder sometimes what it is that the perfect Christmas looks like. We all have a picture of what should or shouldn't be in our lives. I wonder, do we ask ourselves, do we remind ourselves, do we fear not? Do we consider things? Do we rely on God for these things? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear. Do not fear. In a moment, we'll see a video of how some others and their perspectives of the day Jesus was born, how he changed their lives, how they allowed the truth of what it is that, who it was, Emmanuel, God is with us. My prayer for us is that we would continue to hold on to the truth that God's dreams are always bigger than our own. And they're always better than our own. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you open our eyes to your truth, that you continue to show us your love. Lord, that we can trust in what it is that you're doing. While we don't understand your plan all the time, we rejoice in the fact that we can know you because you are Emmanuel. 
You are God with us. It is said that the door to the stable where the Christ child was born is very low, and only those who kneel can find access. I have taken it for granted. This gift of a child, this creator being created, this light born into darkness, I took this for granted until I looked upon my own child, whose eyes bring mercy to my soul, whose embrace peace to my heart, whose laugh joy to my world. I could not fathom the thought, could not muster the courage, am not capable of the love it would take to give my child up to those who don't know, to offer my child to those who would harm, to sacrifice my child for those who pursue hate. This gift of light, of love, of life, this joy in the world, this peace on earth, this mercy wild, this God, this sinner, forever reconciled, provokes a humble response to offer my heart, to turn my eyes, to fall to my knees and worship. Excuse me, I think it's interesting when we think about the way that people view us. For instance, if James Tompkins, you're up in front so you get to get picked on tonight, James. If James Tompkins went home, or actually he probably would have to go to a costume store, I hope. If he went to a costume store and he bought a pirate outfit, he went home and put the pirate outfit on, he started wearing it around like it was his normal clothes. I guarantee you people would be looking at James that he didn't intend to have look on him, well he would with the costume on, and would think a lot of different thoughts about James Tompkins. Especially if they didn't know him, they would think, what is that strange guy walking through Walmart with a pirate outfit on? We all are concerned about the way that people view us and the way that people look at us and the way that people evaluate us, and that's why we do the, a lot of the things the way we do. A lot of us wear certain clothes because we want to be perceived in a certain way. We care about what people think about us. We talk a certain way because we care about what they think about us, how they hear us, and the way we act. There's reasons that in our mind we think, boy, wouldn't it be funny if I did this, but we don't do this. Now, some of you are instigators out there, and you encourage other people to do those things in your mind and take advantage of them, but most of the time, we don't do that. See, we all have this perception that we want other people to think of us as, and most of the time, the names crazy, ridiculous are not on the top of that list. Oh, yeah, James, he's that ridiculous guy that wears the pirate costume all the time. Probably not the title that James is looking for. And we bear those different titles on things, but then we also bear titles because of the place that we're at in life. I am a father, so I have children who get to call me dad, although they usually call me John B. I'm not quite sure where that all came from, but the reality of adult children. We, I have a wife who calls me her husband. We have, some of you have the privilege of being grandparents that are called, now I realize, I don't know all this right, 
from moving to Pennsylvania, there's one thing I'm not quite sure of yet, and that is the different grandparent names that are given. Where I grew up from, it would be Grandma and Grandpa Buckley and Grandma and Grandpa Brown, not Mimi, Papa, and all the other names that are out there that are cherished tightly. But they're titles that we have, that we enjoy because we enjoy the relationship that comes along with that. As Ray pointed out in the first part of our service tonight, Joseph had a perception, a perspective of what he thought was going to happen, and that was all changed. When you watch the video, you see that when a father looks at the whole story of the manger, it starts to change. It looks different. If we could take time and think of the different people who interacted with Jesus and the thoughts that they had. Did Herod welcome Christ's coming? Absolutely not. He was terrified of the position that he would lose and, and, and thinking that this Jesus was going to be the king of the Jews and topple over him. And so in his fear, he wiped out many children heartlessly to protect his coveted position of king of the Jews at that time. And you can go down through the stories. The innkeeper's perspective was a pain in the neck as this family came, but I can't be heartless and cruel. i got to get them somewhere to stay, even if it's just, as we probably think, a cave that they kept the donkeys and the chickens and the lambs in. And everyone that interacted with Jesus, many of them not understanding fully who Jesus was, had a different perspective of that. From an irritated innkeeper, to a jealous king, to a confused husband, to an overwhelmed mother. But then they at least had a glimpse, Joseph and Mary. But then as Christ came, there were those that were brought into the picture that had a much fuller acknowledgement. When God spoke to those wise men from the east who came, that long journey which started at the birth of Christ and lasted probably over two years or around two years to get there. Two years or thereabouts, long travel in order to come to see by following a star what you hope, you think, what's been promised in the scriptures, but you're gonna risk all that time, that energy, that effort, that expense, yes, to worship the one true God they would. And what about the outsiders, the shepherds, the ones on the hill, the people that were not wanted to the city because they all smelled like sheep. They knew all the town gossip. They knew as the travelers passed in and out. But as they stood on the outside, they weren't exactly welcomed with open arms in the communities. But they were the ones. They were the ones that got to see the most spectacular because they got to see the heavens opened and had their own show on a front row to be able to hear the angels of heaven declare that Christ had come. Their perspective was very different than Herod's perspective was. And with that news, they ran into town, smells and all, to make sure that everyone knew that they were going to come and find that Christ child. But you know, I think it's interesting that we see this and we need to make sure as we look at this passage, though, that we ask a second part to what we've been shared as we looked at Joseph's perspective and a little bit of Mary's. But I ask this question, who are we to God? Because it's one thing for how we view God, but the bigger question is how does God view us? And this passage lays out very clearly what God's thoughts of humanity are. In verse number 18, if you're in Matthew still, if not, you can just listen. It says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 
she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. See, the seed that was placed in Mary's virgin womb was from the Holy Spirit. The child came from God. The gift given to mankind by God through Mary was step one in what would lead to the redemption of mankind. The child came from God. The second thing that I want to point out is in verse number 21. And it says this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save. He will save. He will save us. From our sins. Save his people from their sins. See, the child came to save mankind. In this verse, we see the purpose of Christ's birth. He was given to us to save mankind from our sins. This means that he came to save you and he came to save me from our sins. We know from other passages that salvation comes with the promise of eternal life and to be in the presence of God forever that purpose of why Christ came. But we also see in verse number 23, as it repeats what was given by the prophet, in verse number 23, he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This child was called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, many names could have been given to the Christ child, by God the Father, but one was chosen by God the Father, and that was that this is God with us. I love that phrase. Not God over us, not God among us, not God around us, but God with us. Wherever we go, he is there. We are never, ever alone. Let me kind of tie this together. And seeing the descriptive ways that were given for us in this passage, it's very easy to see what God thinks of mankind. So let's review that. He came from God. God who created mankind saw that man was in a dilemma. They had chosen through Adam and Eve to tear off the innocence given and take on sin in their flesh. Now God could have chosen many ways to provide redemption. Why through a baby? Because in Christ being born, we are allowed to see his humility, we're allowed to see his love, and also his humanness. He took on flesh, the Bible says, and dwelt among us. So we can look and say, as I often, when you see the way that Christ was tempted, you can say, hey, look at the way Christ dealt with the temptations from Satan, man, we can pick that up when we're tempted. Look at the way Christ dealt with the rejection of mankind, we can take that on ourselves. Look at the way that Christ showed compassion on the least of these, showed bravery amongst the enemies of his people in his plan. See, we get to watch his life through the pages of Scripture to know ourselves then how to live. That's why he chose a baby. He not only came from God, but he came to save mankind. Christ was sent so that we would have a way, only one way, to heaven. How? Christ in his innocence took on flesh and lived a sinless life so that he could take on our sin and die a violent death. Why? For our redemption. If he wouldn't have died and took on our sin, we would not have a pathway to heaven. And we would be hopeless. As a pastor this time of year, 
brings joy to many people. Some of you will leave here and you're going to gather together with family and friends. Some of you will leave here and you'll be able to enjoy some quiet, reflective time of what 2019 brought and rejoice in the gifts that God's given. But some tonight, some tonight, this will be the first Christmas without a loved one or the 10th Christmas without a loved one. For some tonight, this will be a time of loneliness, of heartbreak, of broken relationships. And looking through the eyes, the enamored eyes of the world where Christmas is only about happiness and has no room for heartache, they can't offer us anything but presents wrapped in empty boxes. But Christ can offer a balm for the broken heart. He can offer hope for the hopeless. He can offer purpose and direction for the directionless. And he did all that through the birth of his son, which led to the life of his son, which led to the death of his son, his burial and his resurrection where he conquered death, hell, and the grave so that you and I can have hope and direction and purpose and peace and peace. He came to save mankind. He was called God with us. God called his son a name that carried with it a deep affection for us. This child sent would not only live among man and die for their sins, but would always be with us. I love when God left the earth, excuse me, Christ left the earth, that God sent the Holy Spirit so that you and I that have a relationship with him, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. You leave here tonight if you're a child of God with the Spirit of God inside of you to comfort, to direct, to encourage, to confess confront and and to be able to convict of our sins as well but he's God with us now there's one thing to be among people or around people but there's a completely different when you're with people because the concept of with brings with it a concept of connectivity not just presence so when I'm around somebody I can be around them but not really with them I remember in my younger years of marriage that my wife, when I would be watching certain television programs, I would get locked in, and she would talk to me, and I would not hear what she was saying, and she would say, I want you to look at me when we are talking so I know that you're at least a better chance of hearing me on that. I want you to know, I want to know that you're with me on this. Now, any parent here will say the same thing about their child. And I remember one of my children one time taking my face in their hands going, Dad, listen to me. That's when you really know you're not paying attention. But with us, he is present with us always. On the darkest of nights, when you're not quite sure if the sun will come up tomorrow, or when you can't wait for the sun to come up tomorrow, like many children will think when they go to bed tonight, whether in anticipation or anguish, to know that he's with us. You can breathe deeply in that. You can reflect on that. You can take courage from that. See, it's obvious then to see what God thought of us. In John 3, 16, it really sums it up nicely, doesn't it? For God so loved all of mankind that he gave his only son, his only born son, that if anyone will believe in him, have that relationship with him, acknowledge him as our savior and our need to wash away our sins, that we will have eternal life. God loves us. 
This Christmas, you can ask yourself who you might resonate with in your life as you think through the different characters. The father in the video and his perspective as he saw his child look at Christmas. Herod as he saw the way that the king threatened him, Jesus. The innkeeper irritated by Jesus. Joseph scared by Jesus. Mary anticipating Jesus. The shepherds excited about Jesus. The wise men traveling to see Jesus. But when you think of it all, remember this, that when God views you, when you close your eyes and rest, remember this, you are cherished. But do you know him as a name? Maybe a religious icon? Or is he your personal savior? I encourage you, why not accept him tonight? Make Christmas Eve your spiritual birthday, acknowledging your need for a savior Christian, will you make sure that you take time as you consider this holiday, that you'd pull away a little bit from the hecticness and the scribbled cards and the quickly wrapped packages and pick up the word. Or maybe just sit and look at the tree and remember what Christ has done. The one thing about the evergreen that I think is interesting that we use is that the evergreen never dies. During the fall times, our leaves fall off, but not in the evergreen. It's a reminder of his everlasting presence. And that it's pointed reminds us that it points back up to the creator of the universe. I realize it's a picture, but it's one that can bring us back again to the simplicity. Even, even as we have dimmed lights and we have the manger behind us, remember that the manger led to the cross. And the cross was done because of love. For us, you're cherished. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful as we've evaluated and looked at this scripture passage from Matthew, Lord, about the thoughts that went through Joseph's mind and how that really grabs us, Lord, and gets us to really consider who we are in you, Father, what our perspective of you is. But Lord, mostly we rejoice that this passage also reveals what you think of us. And Lord, again, I pray that if there's anyone here that hasn't taken time to go from dead in their trespasses and sins to alive in you, that tonight would be the day, night that they would become your child. I pray for Christians that we would set aside some of the expectations, Lord, that we have or maybe have even placed upon ourselves and have some time for rest and reflection, God. We ask all this in your precious name. Amen.